fantastic that you can't not speak about it. When Jessica did this song, uh, the last night, was it last night? It was incredible. And she got, the Holy Spirit came down on her, and first thing I know, little Jessica's up there prophesying, telling that, and she's going like this, and the whole crowd is crying. I mean, I saw two men beside me, and they're probably in their 60s, just weeping, hugging each other uncontrollably. This lady behind me, I can, uh, she just wailing in tears. This one person over the side, their face down on the floor. Everywhere across his audience, it's like the Holy Spirit had come. And when that happens, it's very special. But Jessica, awesome. But all of the, the praise team did a con- tremendous job. And everyone that worked there, if you were in... Gallenberg and this week from Abundant Life Church, would you raise your hand? No, I tell you what, stand up. Now let's give them a hand. They were awesome. They were awesome. And I'd like to give a personal thank you from ALC to um, Stephen and Suzanne. You know, let's. They sit there and they give everybody praise that whole time. And this, this program, that conference could not happen with the, all, without all the work that they did. So we appreciate you and we love you. Thank you very much. So the, the, the conference was really incredible. Maybe one of the best ones, do you think, Don? Do you think, Debbie? Yeah. It was, uh, it was, the Holy Spirit was there. And, uh, Joseph Garlington. Uh, was there, was a keynote speaker. You might have known him from uh, leading worship at the Promise Keepers. Uh, and I will tell you this one little story. We, maybe we might have a lot of rabbit trails today. But anyway, I was uh, doing business over in North Carolina, and I planned to go to Promise Keepers in Knoxville, Tennessee at the football stadium. And my one-day trip there turned into two. And so I'm meeting a bunch of guys there, and uh, I'm late. I mean, I'm hauling from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, to Knoxville, Tennessee. Beautiful fall night. The weather is just incredible. Nice little chill in the air. And I roll my windows down. You know, I'm telling you, maybe I can get there before the music ends that I can, you know, find these people within as part of 66,000 people, right? That didn't happen, but that's Okay. And as I'm coming up to the stadium, I heard this noise. I really couldn't tell what it was. And as I got closer and closer, I could hear 66,000 men singing Amazing Grace a cappella. might be the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. I cried all the way into the stadium. It was amazing. Walk, got there in a place right there to walk in. And I got there right at the end of it, but it was amazing. So he was leading this, right? And uh, Wednesday night was one of the most unique meetings we've ever had. And uh, so I think you can probably find that on Facebook. It's still up on Facebook. They did them all. They screened them all live. So it's certainly worth a look. But the ALC was tremendous. And... uh, I appreciate all the hard work for us that sat and watched you do all the hard work. We're very thankful.
And we had some good times on that on the balcony, didn't we? It was great. So uh, I'm going to share something uh, that's deep in my heart, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. But first off, anybody ever seen this place before? Anybody know what it is? It's the Golden Gate Bridge. It's one of the seven modern wonders of the world. They said it couldn't be built because they had tried to build one in the early 1900s, and uh, it got destroyed by the 1909 earthquake that devastated that city. And they just said, hey, it can't be done. But they needed to get it done. That gap you see there is 1.7 miles long, and it... uh, it goes over from San Francisco, a beautiful part of San Francisco, over to Marion County, Muir Woods, and a little town over there called Sausalito. Got this, Debbie knows, has this great little restaurant and great, great little uh, hotel there that it just looks back at the city of San Francisco. And at night, it is an incredible view. I mean... It's one of the most, it might be the most screwed up place in the world, but it is a beautiful place. <laughs> so it is unbelievably fantastic. So this bridge, they said, would never be built. If you're going to go from San Francisco to Marion County without the bridges in early 1900s, you got to drive 50 miles down to San Jose, around the bay, back up. Another 50 miles, then another 50 miles up and around and back to that one little spot of 1.7 miles away. There were no bridges. The Oakland Bay Barrier Barrier Bridge had not been built. So there was a, there was a petition put out and a drive by the local newspaper, I think it's San Francisco Inquirer, to bridge the gap. They wanted to be able to get from there to even more beautiful part of the country right right above them. Plus, it's quicker to go to Napa Valley that way. So they uh, they put it. They said, "Okay, we're going to do it again." They came up with the plan, and by 1933, they began building this bridge. After all these years, now they had ferries go back and forth, but the problem is that strait right there is so terrifically tough to navigate that it was totally totally unstable so you didn't know if you were getting on the ferry or not doug probably knows it he he'd been there forever and uh so they decided we're going to give it another try the guy came up with a suspension bridge idea and it took them four years to build this bridge now, not only did it take them four years to build this bridge, it came at a high cost. Eleven people died. It cost $33 million at the time, which would be, they say today, it would be in the hundreds of billions of dollars. It's that, it's that big. The towers on that bridge are seven football fields high. And they've had people work there during an earthquake where it swayed 17 what feet this way and 17 feet this way on top of that bridge. It's an awe-inspiring place. Now, it's not golden. It's not golden at all. In fact, when they built this bridge, they put this primer on it 
and we put the primer on it, it was so beautiful that it didn't paint it gold. It it is it's a red burnt orange color, and it you know what it's the right thing. So that is actually a primer on that uh, that bridge now. It's a uh, it took four years to build, and it connects San Francisco to Marion County, and the Muir Woods if you've ever been there, which is a remarkable place. They got trees the size of this room, just about wide, and. Uh, it allowed commerce to go back and forth. So there's a lot of things that it helped in terms, it also helped uh, bring more commerce in back into San Francisco. So all in all, it was a great situation. And it saved a lot of time for a lot of people. And the bridge that couldn't be built was built. Now, it also has the inevitable uh, title of there are more suicides off this bridge than any place, any bridge in the world. Over 1,500 people decided they were going to be really smart and jump off that bridge. And uh, that's, that's the bad part about it. When, uh, when they had a 20th anniversary, a 50th anniversary in 1987, there were 300,000 people on that bridge. And they said the middle of it sagged down seven feet. Seven feet. But if you ever get a chance, if you didn't do anything else in San Francisco, take a ride over that bridge. It's something to behold. So, obviously, doesn't make a lot of sense about us talking about the, uh, the San Francisco Bridge today, but I'll pull it all together before we're done. Uh, it is a, a terrific place and beautiful situation, but let me just tell you how we're getting there today. Uh, last year, the uh, I spent 13 years at head of the men's group here, and we ended up last year with uh, with 30 months of discipleship, which I got to tell you, I probably got more out of it than anybody else did. <laughs> just the study and the preparation and being part of it, uh, that program's being used and at least four of the churches today. And uh, it, was, it was great. But the hardest thing I had to do in the men's group, and I, honestly I failed in a lot of ways, was trying to get the different age groups together. You know, a lot of us are a little older than we used to be, aren't we? And somehow we don't relate like we should with others in other ages. And I've, when I let, when he, he said, you need to turn this over to somebody younger. And so Charlie Bretz took over. Now, Charlie Bretz is only four years younger. <laughs> but in terms of health-wise, he's probably 40 years younger. And he's strong and active, and he's got a great plan, and he's going to do a wonderful job. And uh, I love him dearly. Plus, he's the only person. I put it out for everybody at church. He's the only person that can't step forward. So, <laughs> but he couldn't get a. You couldn't have got a better one. I promise you. But when I did, the Lord said, "Give give it to someone else. It's time for you." He's told me this year is going to be a year of recuperation for me, and restoration, and we're moving strongly in that direction. So, uh, and we're going to continue. 
So I just started praying. I said, Lord, what do you want? What do you want from me? What's next? Because there's always the next, right? It's either home groups or it's the men's group or it's Saturday mornings or whatever it's been. I said, what's next? And I don't know about you. When the Lord usually speaks to me, he doesn't give me some drawn out plan about how everything's going to work, right? It's like Abraham. Abram, he said, go. I'm not going to tell you how all this is going to happen, but go. So the three words he gave me was bridge the gap. I had no clue. I had no clue what he meant, what we were going to do, and how we were going to do it. And I, honestly, I still don't. But I got some ideas, okay? And so that's how we get back to to where we're at today. And... Uh, so I'm going to start it out with something only old people will remember. And I'm going to tell you, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> Young guys and ladies, you have no clue. But it, <laughs> watch the movie Apollo 13. So anyway, I'm reading this terrific book called Kingdom Shift by David Malloy. It's turned me upside down. I'm on my third time reading it. And it's showing, showing me that some of the things I've focused on in life, why am I still learning at 69? Shouldn't I really have this down by now? We're foolish and waste of time. And the main theme of it is, and I was going to share on this, labels. Labels are killing the church. I'm of this. I do this. I believe this. I sing this way. We're fighting each other each and every day, and we're killing each other while we've got souls to go get. And my focus shouldn't be on proving how smart I am, but reaching out to others, the unlost, the lost and the saved, unsaved, and meeting them and bringing them to Christ beyond everything else. Guilty. Guilty. And, you know, I'm watching these things come over either Facebook or TV, and they're just ranting against against this and ranting against that. And I'm going, Lord, I want to kill them. And he said, no, you got to love them. you got to love them. So in this book, uh, he had a report from Barna. about the percentage of people saved by decade, by eras, okay? So just listen to this for a second. They, the builder generation, which is 1910 to 1945, 65% of Americans were saved. The baby boom generation, which is me, which is 1946 to 1964, 35% were saved. And I didn't know this one. Uh, the Buster generation, between 65 and 76, only 15% was saved. The Bridger or Millennium generation between 77 and 94 is almost completely unreached reached by the gospel and less, less 10% are saved. Less than 10%. At the current rate, only 4% of the current generation 
will accept Christ as their personal Savior. God, we have a problem. Now, as we, as I started going into uh, discussions with people about younger people and how do we re- bridge this gap and what are we supposed to do, because I know, I know that we've got good people out there. And so one night, well, David and Providence Phillips started their home group for, what, 18 to 29 or 30, whatever. And so I was fortunate to go over early on. And um, you're going to have to excuse me. My boy's still in, totally back from the hospital days in January. Excuse me. And so I got to go over one night, and it was, I know, I don't know what to, I didn't know what to expect, so forgive me, I didn't underestimate you, but I went in that night, and I saw something exciting, something that I didn't know existed. And these people, these young kids were packed into their room, in their living room, and there was over 20 people there that night. And they're praising, singing, praising God. People got words. People are loving one one another. They, they get the Providence does a meal for them every week. She even had Sir Pizza last time. That's my favorite. Anyway, uh, and I'm sitting there, and this thing's going on and on and on. That's when I was in a lot of pain. And uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm looking. I'm just having a time of my life, and I realize. This is it. They're forming the relationships we used to do have in our early days. We'd, we'd get in someone's home in a house. I mean, if we left it by midnight at times, we were fortunate because we are having a great time with Christ. And these people are doing the same thing. I walked out of that meeting one night and I called my friend up in Indiana and I said, uh, Gary, I said, I saw it. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I saw it again. I said, what? Because he used to drive down for these things in Nashville. And uh, we used to meet at uh, one of the lead trumpet players for Danny Davis in Nashville Brass. And, boy, we had uh, Bill, what was Bill? Bill Pippen. And we had such a great time. I said, he used to come down for it. And I said, just like the old days. These people got it. These kids got it. And I was so excited by the fact that our young people got has it. We don't even know it, do we? We don't know. We have no clue what they're doing. They're out there in the home and they're doing it. And, and I'm thinking, this is our new, this is the next generation. Somehow we've got, I understand, Lord, I understand. We've got to bridge the gap. They're not young people. They're us people. They're us people. And you know what? How was Jesus when he started his ministry? So don't tell me they're too young. We need their excitement. In fact, I long for the day when they're all down here and they're praising in a way that makes us get up and get excited. We need their excitement. They need our wisdom.
we have something to share with these people. So the Lord took me in a different way than I thought I was going to go. So what does that mean to us? How do we fit into this? Well, first of all, the Lord was pretty clear through people uh, through Peter and Titus. So I want to share a couple scriptures with you. In the second Peter, the first chapter is a beautiful chapter. If you don't know it, it'd probably be good just to learn it and read it. Uh, but I'm just going to read a few verses from it. Verse 3 says, Peter's speaking, he's late in life, close to death. He says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. I'll repeat that. Who called us to his own glory and excellence. You're called to that. Did you know that? That's you, all of us, by which he granted us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire. We've escaped from that sinful desire. Doesn't mean it's not going to fight at us. But we've got the victory over it. And he's giving it. He keeps going. He keeps going. It's, it's really uh, a great chapter. And um, then he goes down to verse 12. And he's finished what he's talking about. And he says, therefore, I intend to always remind you of these qualities. Though you know them. Like I've told you once, I've told you twice, and are established in the truth that you have, I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by the reminder of them. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to at any time recall these things. What is he saying? You need to speak into the younger people's life. Younger people for me might be 65, okay? But it's everyone's life. All these people. Can you imagine them not having to make the same mistakes that we have have made? Isn't that what we want? We always hope that our, well, our own kids, right, that our ceiling is their floor. I want their ceiling, my ceiling, to be their floor. That they're going to even greater things. But it's not going to see, not going to happen with me sitting here on my hands at church every Sunday morning. I'm going to go over to Titus. In fact, Larry, he always does this to me. He mentioned this, uh, this the other day, last Sunday. He mentioned the verse. But anyway, here he says, But as it as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, 
dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. Here you go, ladies. And older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. I didn't write it. They are to teach what is good and so to to train the young women. Train the young women to love their husbands and children. To be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. That the word of God may not be revealed. And likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show dignity, integrity, and sound speech that not cannot be condemned. So that the opportunity be may be put to shame, so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say to us. That's a heavy call. Men and women. We look down and we see so many young couples struggling and fighting just to get by. The things of this world are difficult. They're fighting at them, and Satan wants nothing more than to destroy the homes in this land. That's number one on his list, that and destroy the church. So we have a situation. We have a base of really, really, really good younger people. And I say younger, I mean, in what Roddy's done, I've gone to quite a few uh, youth meetings. It is good what he, he's doing and training them. We've got it down there. But they need our help. Our help. I don't want to sit back in the bleachers anymore and just think that David and Providence are going to take care of it or Roddy's going to take care of it. Or whoever's in charge of the 30s and 40s and 40s and 50s and 50s and 60s. I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And part of the problem, you know, I'm not going to say it. Well, I'll keep quiet. Listen, I might get kicked out of this pulpit forever today anyway, so <laughs> I might as well. But we're not going to do anyway. So what can we do about this? Just you and me and all of us here. Number one, I'm going to tell you. And I've got some of these answers from the young pe- younger people. We've got to start developing relationships. When you walk out the door today, don't just sit and talk to your best friend or your friend for 50 years. We've got to find out who these people are. We need to learn their names. We need to listen. When they speak, we need to listen. We can learn from them. And we can learn a lot, a lot. Go to lunch with one one day. Take one to lunch. Just say, hey, let's sit down and go. Host a meeting. I'm going to have them all. I'm going to ask them to come over and sit around our pool one night. The whole group of them. Enjoy it. It's yours tonight. Don't step on the diving board because it's got a crack in it. Anyway, <laughs> we need to pray for them. You know, we pray for a lot of people, 
We need to pray that from the littlest one up to the biggest. They need to be on our prayer list. We need, they need to know that we care. The old saying, I guess Brother Charles said at first, they'll never care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's always rang true. Also, some of you need to step foot, step forward as mentors. In my life, I've been blessed. And everywhere I've went, I've had mentors, starting my dad. My dad was a hardworking guy, always had two jobs, never made a lot of money. But you know what he told me? He never quit telling me, son, you can do anything in life that you put your mind to. Always encouraged me. Always. And I, things I saw him do, take his shirt off his back and give to somebody. He didn't have a lot to give, but he gave what he had. You know, it started there. And when I started, when I was in music, high school and college, uh, my band directors, who wound up being great friends and the band director at Hall of Fame, they were just, they took me under. It's okay. You need to do this or you need to do that. When I got to work, specific people took me under their arms. And I got to tell you, I had to reach out and find some of them because they didn't want to do it. But that, I wouldn't go away. I was following them around like a little puppy dog. And you know what? Every one of them blessed me. I count seven men in my life I can call mentors. I never had to do it alone. My spiritual mentor I had for 40 years. 40 years. And you know what? There might be six months we don't talk. But when I needed something, when I got behind the, under the rock, he was there to grab me and pull me back up. We need to be mentors to these people. Spiritual fathers when applicable. And they don't have to be younger than you. They can be older than you. I've had two 80-year-old men... Call me their spiritual dad. I have no clue why. This must have been dementia or something got a hold of them or whatever. But they were great men. I learned. And i got to tell you something. When you mentor somebody, you get more out of it than they do. You get more out of it than they do. But I'll say this to the younger people in this crowd. It is a two-way street. You can't expect somebody to come up and grab you and say, hey, I'm going to be your mentor. I'm going to be your spiritual. It doesn't work that way. It's about relationship. Start by just talking to somebody. And I'm going to tell you, there is enough experience in this room right here to do everything you want to do in life. There's people who have been in charge of billion-dollar businesses. There's people who have started businesses. There's people who have been all over the world. There's people who are country music, gospel music giants. If you need to find out how do you, what do you need to do to get into the business, go grab a hold of them. There's people who work in certain jobs with certain skills that can help you reach your goals or what you want to do. There's a lot of salesmen here. There's real estate agents. There's a whole, this, it's like a smorgasbord of opportunity. It really is. You know what? We're small enough 
that those people will be available for you because you can get to meet them and know them. Now, we have some ideas. Charlie has ideas this summer of, of us hosting the younger people and get-togethers and stuff like that that are going to take place. But this is for the women and the men. We need to do it. You need to do it. We all need to do it. Imagine a world where somebody's in trouble. Somebody's having a hard time balancing being a new a new wife or a new mother. And they had somebody they could go to for help, for guidance. So you have to reach out and we have to reach out. We have to work together. I'm going to tell you, there's some people who have a heart for this in this church. And I know who they are, some of them. But I think there's more. So, you know, if you want to learn something about life, go see the Nickens. They'll help you. They'll have you over there. They'll talk to you. There's a lot of different people like that here. I hope every person here is like that. So I'm going to ask real quickly, um, if you're 30 or under, let's say 35 or under, would you stand up right now? Look around. So we're, Sean, where are you, Sean? Come on up, buddy. He doesn't look there. I got to tell you, first night I walked into the 30s and under group, they looked at me like uh, some alien that just come off another planet. What is he doing here? <laughs> I just sit in the corner and try to be quiet. So I'm going to ask all of you that are standing up to come right down here. Sean, Sean's going to have a, has a song. And then... You didn't think they were there, did you? They've been hiding out in the back. Look a here, look a here. Glory. So now we're going to make it hard on you. As Sean sings, I want you to come down and lay hands on these people and bless them. Everyone that can get up, get up, come and lay hands on these people, and then I'll close it with a prayer. But when you when you lay hands on them, ask them their name, okay? Sean? Sometimes it's hard for me to understand why we pull away from each other so easily. Walking the same road We've got the walls between us Between our brothers And I say I don't care What label you may me, wear like If you believe in Jesus
you're my Ruby. Take 